going back into the clearly stated truths of the Spirit that have been adopted in our confession, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. them and talk to them please help me to be faithful to this word this week so imagine the scene Psalm, Palm, the first Palm Sunday you're in first century uh, Palestine you're walking down the mountain the Mount of Olives what we would think in New Hampshire is more like a hill but you're walking west down that hill and uh, as, as you do that it's, it's sort of quiet the only thing you can here is the crunching of the gravel uh, under under your feet, sort of kicking up dust. And as you walk down, you can't really see much because there's these mud huts, or not huts, but sort of houses and some palm trees around there. And then this, you see some dust coming up, and there's a shepherd boy, and he's walking up, the, coming around the bend towards you. And he, when he looks at you, he points at the man behind you who's riding on the colt of a donkey. And he says, is that Jesus of Nazareth? And before you can answer, he turns around and starts running down the hill. And all you can think of is, this is how it starts. And you hear him, he's crying out, it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's the Messiah. He's the king. He's coming to Jerusalem. And people start coming out of their doors and out of the alleys. And a, a crowd starts forming down the street in, in, in front of you. And, and they climb trees and they cut down fronds and they start waving them in celebration and some start throwing their cloaks down on the on the path so that uh, the king can walk over there with his with his donkey and not kick up any dust and and get dirty and you hear people crying out blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace and glory and peace in heaven and glory in the highest and 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 it's as you get closer you can it's like the ground is shaking uh, as people scream this. And, and you see some Pharisees come out and they, and they tell this man behind you, your master, they say, tell them to be quiet. And he says, I tell you, if, it, if they were quiet, even the stones would cry out. And that sound continues to grow and echo through the alleys. And as you, you round that bend, the, the, uh, walking through the sheep that that, that boy left behind, you, can, you look down and you get that first glimpse of the city of, of Jerusalem, about a half mile away. And you turn around to look at Jesus and he's weeping and you know why. You know, some in the group like Peter and the, and the 12 have been with Jesus for three years uh, by now, since, since he first walked by the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The rest of you joined uh, over, over those, those years. You're drawn by his teaching. It wasn't like that of the Pharisees or the scribes. It had, it had authority. His, his words, they, they cut and they healed. They challenged and they comforted. They confused and they enlightened. They taught you about giving. He taught you about trusting. And he taught you about loving. And he even taught you how to pray. You remember, it, it seems like it was so long ago, but it really, it really wasn't. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Forgive us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then he'd, he'd given an, an illustration. And we're going to be today a lot in, in Luke chapter 11 and John uh, starting in chapter 14. But so after that, he, 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 he went on to tell a, a story about a, a man uh, waking up his neighbor, knocking on the door, asking for bread to help a, a friend who had come into town, and how that, that friend would get up just because of the impudence of, of, of the, the person knocking on the door. But then he says here uh, in Luke chapter 11 is where it's recorded, starting with verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who who ask him. Ask. Jesus was always telling you to ask. He said things like, if two or three of, of or two of you agree on about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He said, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And you know he was telling the truth. Because he's not just the teacher, but like Peter and Martha have proclaimed, he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And you think, maybe you just don't have enough faith because you've been asking that today wouldn't happen. You've been praying that, that with all your might that Jesus would turn and not go down to Jerusalem because you've heard the whispers. Right? You've, you've seen the way the Pharisees look at him. They've got hate in their eyes, and you're, you're even starting to believe that there might be people in your group who are traitors, who are looking for an opportunity to betray him, to hand him over to be imprisoned or killed. You know, Jesus himself has prophesied that death waits for him in Jerusalem. And so you've been praying he wouldn't go, but God hasn't answered your prayer, and you're starting to doubt. Now, maybe Jesus wasn't right. Maybe the Father in heaven doesn't hear. Worst of all, maybe he doesn't care. After all, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and Jesus is truly his son, how could he allow him to be killed by the very people he came to save? Couldn't God just strike his enemies down, do some sort of sign or, or, or miracle to convince them? Though you're not really sure what kind of miracle it would be, right? Because not just homeless shelters he built. You know, he... He made the lame walk. He healed the sick. Right? He walked on water. What would it take for them to do this? You want Jesus. You want nothing but Jesus. You want to walk with Jesus. You want to listen at his feet to hear his, his teaching, to feel his presence. And you look up again at Jesus, and he is still weeping over the side of Jerusalem and begins to wail. Go uh, with me to Luke chapter 19. Verses 42 to 44. It's right after the recording of, of what happened with, with everyone praising him. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 42. 
I'll start with verse 41. And he, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround and hem you in from every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And you hear him say that, and you see him crying, and you say, yeah, Jesus, they don't understand. They don't love you. They hate you. Don't go leave them in, your sin, in their sin. Let's go away. Don't you know that if they kill you, they're going to kill us also? Don't you love us? Pray again, oh Lord, Father in heaven, I believe the master is your son and our deliverer sent to save us from ourselves and from our sin. We need him. We love him. I don't understand why you're letting him go to his death. Please stop him. Rescue us. Deliver us. And then you stop. It's if God were breathing into your very soul and peace fills your heart. Not the kind of peace that tells you you're free from danger. The kind of peace, the kind of peace that strengthens you for that danger. Isn't that true freedom? Again, you remember Jesus' words. He said, ask and I tell you, or I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be given you. All right, it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. And then later on, he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We're not in first century Palestine or Jerusalem. We're not walking with Jesus physically as he descends from the Mount of Olives, a, a, this path filled with people who are, who are crying out uh, praises to the king that they will crucify. But we're still able to walk with him. And just like the disciples who were, who were there on that first triumphal entry, we are told by Jesus to pray, you know, to ask, to seek, to knock. As, as Pastor Josh uh, told us earlier, uh, last month, he's, he said... He wants us to make those requests specific. And, you know, looking through my prayer journal, I can see that I have prayed. I, I, I write these down. I have prayed for lots of things that are good. They would be good gifts for God to do. I, I, I've prayed for restored relationships, for a closer walk with God, healing for friends and for family. Uh, salvation for the lost, re reconciled marriages, jobs for the un unemployed, houses for the homeless, uh, freedom for the imprisoned, help for widows, consoling for the grieving, strength for the weary, wise decisions, and end to war. These are all good gifts. They are worthy things about which I should be asking God in Jesus' name. And I'm looking through that same prayer journal. I, I put stars next to the ones as they get answered. Um, and man, God has answered a lot of these prayers. And sometimes he's answered them exactly as I was asking him to answer them. And sometimes he's answered them in ways I did not want him to. And certainly this past week, 
My prayers for an end to wars have not been answered the way I want them. But remember again, as Josh taught us, that God always answers prayer. He always, ans he, he always answers in the way we would want. If we knew everything he knows. One of the ways he answers our request is by giving us the Holy Spirit into our lives. Because why the, the, the gifts of, of salvation and comfort and healing and reconciliation and jobs and marriages and homes and food and help and comfort and strength and safety and wisdom and peace are all very, very good gifts. The gift of the Holy Spirit is even better. Bob Allams, as he was here a couple weeks ago teaching us about prayer, he said, what is the implication in this world and beyond if God truly loves giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The implication is the whole world changes. It's exactly what God promises to do. We go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Jesus, the heading is, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen continues many more times in this next three uh, chapters, which is, is Jesus saying farewell uh, to his disciples. Right? He says, when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, he, God answers and he reveals and he opens. But what's more, he gives and not as the world gives, right? He, because he gives us the Holy Spirit. And unlike the people of God who lived before Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, when the Spirit comes in our lives, He stays there. It's not a temporary indwelling like, like happened with Moses or Saul or, or David uh, or, or the people who built the tabernacle you know, or others who needed God's supernatural Spirit for that time. We are told that the Spirit comes and makes His home in us. And though I imagine those disciples uh, prayed that Jesus would not be taken from them. Uh, even Jesus prayed that in the garden. But think about this. They prayed for Jesus to live, and God answered with the crucifixion. Because if the disciples had known everything that God knows, they would have understood that the crucifixion was exactly the answer they needed. Because as wonderful as it is to walk or was, to walk with Jesus in the flesh. Jesus himself said that the work of the Holy Spirit was so important that it was to the disciples' advantage that Jesus go away. He said in John 16, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And so God brought his son back to his right hand and sends the Spirit, and the Bible tells us that the Spirit will bear witness to Christ He'll convict the world concerning, concerning sin and righteousness, that he will teach us, he will empower us to accept Jesus as our Lord, he will assure us of our salvation, he will testify that we are God's children, he will give to us so we can produce fruit, he will give us hope, he will empower us to endure trials, he will give us the words to say even through those trials, and he will enable us to rejoice 
in our sufferings. That is why the Holy Spirit is the ultimate gift, the ultimate answer to prayer. And God promises that gift. He promises that answer because though we who are evil know how to give good gifts in the eyes of the world, our Father in heaven who is holy and perfect knows how to give holy and perfect gifts. My brothers and sisters, Jesus says, if you then who are evil... Because we are indeed evil. We've been evil, wicked since birth, right? But the Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us deserve death. But God in his mercy sent his one and only son to live a perfect and sinless life, to call us to repentance. And a week after he was welcomed as king to be crucified, to die and be buried so that he could be resurrected and ascend on to be with God. But think about that. The sinners he had come to save put him to death. They didn't know, though, that that death would serve as a sacrifice to atone for our sins, the sins back then and the sins today. But in effect, those sins today, the ones that we commit, are the ones that crucified Christ. But that's not the end of the story, right? Because as we're going to celebrate Next week, death didn't conquer Jesus. Jesus conquered death. So that all who believed in him, all who, who, who would confess him as Lord, would turn away from their sins, turn, turn away from themselves, turn away from their pursuit of the flesh, and turn toward the righteousness of God. And all of us who do that, all of us who submit to the authority of the one true king, receive not only eternal life, but that same gift that Jesus promised his disciples, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So, as Josh asks often, you know, so what? So what does that mean to us? Um, Josh and I had a great opportunity to go spend some time in uh, Indianapolis this last week. <laughs> like you said, like 10,000. It was, it, I'm not a crowds person. It was a lot of people, but it was impressive to hear some of these people uh, uh, bring the word of God to us. Um, one of his, Tabidi Anyabwile, that's a hard name to say, from the Cayman Islands, uh, um, a, a, a black preacher who... Uh, preaches with much more energy than I, I normally uh, do. But he was talking about Colossians 3, 9 through 10, about this idea of we got to take off the old man, right, and put on the new man. He was saying, you know, we got to crucify the old man. And I love this quote. He said, you got to kill that sucker every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're called to do. Because we got a choice to do with this. We can take off that old man and we can put on the new man right there. Or... We can pick this up. We can crucify him every day. You know, we can go back and Hebrews 6, 6 says that you can get that taste of what, of what God's truth is and you can respond to that. You can live that life or you can pick up that hammer and crucify him again. It's our choice. Martha and I got these, uh, these rings on our 20th anniversary a few years ago now um, for each other. They're silver. And I, uh, this past weekend, I was doing some work on the farm, and I, uh, um, I pull off my glove, I look down there, and it is black. It's been tarnished black. Well, it's sterling silver. It's, you know, it's not supposed to tarnish, right? 
And so I looked up to see what, what could have caused that. And it says that, uh, it, what I found out is that silver, sterling silver is 92.5% pure silver. And pure silver does not tarnish. So, but it's 7.5% uh, other metals, and mostly copper. And I was working with the stuff that's got a lot of sulfur. And sulfur bonds with copper and moisture, and it tarnishes. It turns black. And so I'm like, oh. So I grabbed the silver polish, and man, I got it all nice and shiny. It was looking really good. And then um, I came in from chores this morning. It's black again. <laughs> uh, and I didn't work with any more. There was just some stuff, I guess, in my gloves still of the sulfur. Man, that is our, that is us. I, I will tell you right now, I am not 92.5% pure. I, I, I wish I were. Um, I, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. But there's enough of that old man still in me that just reaches out for all the bad stuff, you know, the sulfur in, in the air. I mean, that's a good picture, really, right? Sulfur and, and, and the whole uh, hellfire and brimstone stuff. It reaches there, and it turns me black every day. But praise God that when I pray... God doesn't answer always the way I want to, but he brings that Holy Spirit uh, in with me. And, and he polishes me clean again so that I can get dirty again. <laughs> so the so what is, God's asking us to pray. This is that Sunday, the second Sunday where we emphasize prayer and we're going to have some people up here who have volunteered to pray with you and pray for you. And, and so we, we would ask that you come up and do that. But I'll, I'll ask you also, pray in your pews, uh, in, in your seats. Pray for the person next to you. Pray for people like Dylan O'Brien who are going into the military right now. Pray for people who are on the, in the military. Pray for the people who are in the middle of the most awful circumstances in the world. Pray for our military who's, who's been sent out there, for our leaders. Um, pray for peace expect the Holy Spirit. We might not get peace in our lifetimes. Uh, reading this book, I don't think it's likely. Um, I'm still praying for it, but I know that we will get the Holy Spirit. So, go out this week in true peace. Not the false peace of the world, but the true peace of the Holy Spirit who strengthens us for the battle out there, who prepares you for trials and who produces fruit through them. Let's pray. God, I just, I praise you for being merciful. You say that you are patient, not wanting anyone to perish. Uh, you've proved that with me. God, I, I, I confess that uh, I am not 100% pure, and I'm not even 92.5% pure. I am a broken man with, uh, who wants to pursue uh, my old ways. Lord, but you say uh, that I've been crucified with you. Um, and, uh, and you say that I am a new creation. Lord, help me hold to that. Uh, act like that new creation, but more importantly, trust in you to make me that new creation, to continue uh, to make me more holy. Make all of us that way. Lord, drive me to pray more. I pray that I would pray more. And Lord, and, and dwell us all uh, with the Holy Spirit uh, that we may go out and serve you, to glorify you by uh, 
serving a hurting world. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.